Welcome to another live interview, A Strange Loop 2022. So today we have with us Sarah Withy, who is a software engineer in a consultancy, and yeah. you can maybe speak about that. Uh, how are you today, Sarah? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Did you see any uh, interesting talk this morning? Yeah, there was a woman who had analyzed um, lots of Docker containers that you can use for your own projects, but she analyzed, I think, the most 130 most popular ones. Oh, right. And figured out, like, how many packages are actually incorporated into them and then, like, where the security problems might be. Yeah. That was kind of interesting to see. You know, I, I'd never really thought about it. Is it kind of machine learning or statistical analysis? I think they did statistical analysis. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, can you... Just tell us a little bit about yourself, background, where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm a software engineer. Interestingly, I've kind of worked on a different programming language at nearly every company I've went to, which is kind of interesting on its own. But right now I'm working um, with the federal government. So we do software consulting. So other agencies can kind of come to us to get help with their tech problems. And we come in, we can help them either build or buy different software. So I'm a software engineer with them. Okay. And I've worked a variety of different, like, yep other agencies and fields and stuff. What, what languages or tools do you predominantly use for this? Uh, right now I'm using a lot of Python for several things. Um, in the past I've done like PHP, JavaScript, done some Scala in the past, some .NET at one job. So it's kind of all over the board it feels like. So you mentioned to me that you are involved with the Code Thesaurus yeah. project and I, I I suppose this is a side interest outside the, the normal job? Yeah, so what kind of happened sort of accidentally as I went through my career is I've never had like one language I just really became an expert in. I just worked in one language and moved on to another and moved on to another. And in my own way, I found it interesting to learn all the different languages. I think it's also helped me be able to get thrown into any kind of problem and just be able to hit the ground running where I'm not always 100% perfect at every single language I come to, but I know enough of how to work with all of them that I can usually quickly get going in whatever I'm thrown in, which I think is a pretty great skill. And I've just sort of embraced that over time and just said, you know what, yeah, I'm kind of a polyglot developer. I'm not just a C++ or a Java or a whatever developer, but I'll just work on anything. And that's code the source came in, yeah. where the... The initial inspiration from it was somebody had asked me a Ruby question, and I didn't actually know Ruby at the time, but I found their bug, but I didn't know how to solve it. Like, I knew how to solve it in other languages, but I didn't know how to solve Ruby because I had not used Ruby before. And I really just wanted something to show me side by side. Like, okay, if I knew how to do this in Python, I could do it in Ruby, or I knew how to do it in C++, I could do it in Ruby. And I looked around for a long time to see if anybody had built something like this, and I never really found it. So I just, like... Disappointedly, I guess that's me. I have to go build this thing now. And so I did eventually kind of build it. And it's been really awesome to see that every time somebody comes across this, they think it's like a really cool tool. Yeah. And had up to 100 contributors now since I've made it open source. And so I had a little play with the tool. So just to describe what it is, but then people can yeah. pick the link. What uh, does it do? So I call it a polyglot developer reference tool. So you pick two languages and some sort of, I call them structures. So it's like functions, classes, data types, strings. Containers. You name it. Yeah. And you look it up in two languages. So it shows you like how to do different things side by side. Like how do you do a 
function with no parameters? How do you do function with a specific number? How do you do them with like variable parameters? And you can look at them side by side and see, oh, well, I know how to do it here. I don't know how to do it in this one. And you can quickly gauge how to do it. So it's, I think, I mean, given we know sometimes how different languages can be, mm -hmm. there must be a way for you to identify what can be actually comparable. Is everything comparable between languages or just a few aspects since you can ask? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And one I, I tried to think over really well when I was building this is that C++, Java, JavaScript, they're all really similar. And that if you look one up in one language, you're going to get more or less like a similar version than another one. But then there's something like, I've used Perl and Haskell as a good example of two languages that are like extremely different on how they do things. And well, can you compare things like that right. are really different? I, I think in a lot of ways you can. I've also had to come to terms with, this is not a learn how to program tool, this is a reference tool. So you can kind of compare some things you don't always like, like if I'm thrown into a Haskell project, I could maybe use this to get going in the project. I don't want to say I'm going to start a project from scratch and maybe, you know, use Haskell and then use code thesaurus to try and figure out to that. So there's a little bit difference there. Yeah. But I think often there are a lot of differences, but sometimes there aren't. And I had to build that into the product where if a language has a feature that another one doesn't, we actually mark that in the language. So it'll show up and it'll show a code sample on one side and then just say this doesn't exist in the language on the other side. Yeah, it seems very useful. I now remember that many times when I'm learning a new language or I need to introduce to a new code base that I don't know the language, I'm mostly like operating like that. By example, mm -hmm. like I search, I'll, I know how to do this in language X. Yeah. How do I do it in language Y? Then maybe it's not going to be the, like overall altogether, it's not going to be the most idiomatic yeah. uh, program, but then you learn on the go, but at least you can move on. Yeah. Which is a very interesting tool. I'm curious to know if there was a, ever some impossible or very fun comparison between the languages that came out of the tool and said, oh, that's impossible or doesn't work or funny or what? Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of a really, really funny one or something, but I have realized, like, like I got thrown into a Ruby project in one job, and so I kind of learned Ruby through working on that. But then as I was adding Ruby to Cousin Source, I was working with a friend of mine and we were sort of like pairing on adding this. And we ended up deep diving into Ruby things where she was like, well, this is how I would do it, but I'm not sure if that's the quote, right way quote to do it. And so we ended up like on these deep dives to figure out like, like the right Ruby ways to do different things. And learned that like I thought Ruby acted a lot similarly to C++ and other languages, but I learned it doesn't, you can just have, just print a variable at the end of it. And that's sort of your return type, you know, actually say return, whatever. That was kind of interesting. Also, there's no such thing as a void function. It always returns something. So even if you don't want it to return something, you can yeah. ignore whatever it's going to give you and you're fine. So it's interesting little tidbits like that, that yeah. I've worked in this. It's like, as I'm reviewing C++, like this makes a lot of sense. I've used C++ before, but. In languages I haven't used, I do learn a lot just in this code things what people add in. This code is always written in. It's written in Python and Django. Okay. Yeah. And I ended up choosing that just because I thought it'd be the easiest for people to look at if they wanted to do something 
adds to the website itself. Yeah. All the code files are in JSON objects. It's a configuration essentially. Yeah. If you want to. So how exactly how if I wanted to contribute a snippet or introduce like a change, yeah. what would be the way to introduce that in yeah. Codethesaurus? So if you want to add something to Codethesaurus, there's a couple ways to do it. So if it doesn't exist in there, but the language already is in there. So like they haven't implemented a portion of whatever language is in there. If you actually try to look it up, it'll say this doesn't exist, but if you would like to contribute, here's the stuff to do it. So it'll actually walk you through, here's the template file for the JSON that you need. You can add it to your own editor. You can edit the parts that are missing to actually say how the, you know, manipulator concatenate two strings. If you write out the code that would, you would do that in whatever language. Yeah. And then when you PR it, it'll come in and then the system can recognize it. So it's easy to do if you're doing something like that. If you're doing like a language that doesn't exist, I like using lolcat or lolcat as an example, which is the esoteric language for yeah. lolcat. It's a little bit harder. You have to add a couple more configuration things to tell it where the language is and what directory structure it's at. But past that, it's almost exactly the same where okay. the system itself will kind of give you the template to use and they just fill the things out. So, and so relatively... I, I, I've really tried to make it really easy. I have yeah. a whole documentation yeah. site that talks about a lot of the architecture stuff why, too. That's explains why you have 100 contributors, right? Uh, <laughs> I hope so, for yeah. Reason, like it's hopefully increasing. So a little bit of more philosophical question. What do you think is the advantage of being polyglot these days compared to, for example, being like specific or specialize yourself, maybe in a language that you like, do you value one more than the other yourself? Or do you think that we should all be polyglot? What do you think about that? Yeah. I went to a conference talk once where this guy talked about how once he specialized in JavaScript and he made so much more money and his business was more successful and blah, blah, blah. But I found almost the opposite for me in that because I've learned all these different languages, I can take on any job. And in fact, one of the, my most favorite jobs they literally just hired me as a generalist and said, we really just need somebody that just can go into something that nobody really knows how to figure out and go figure it out. And that was absolutely wonderful. And I solved so many problems there and it felt really great. But I think that kind of comes down to the company and the team and the department. If you work at a place that does have a lot of different languages, I think a good example is um, I just brain farted on the name of the company, like New Relic, that's the name of it. They have their core product and it's written, I think in Ruby, but they have to interact with so many different languages because you can integrate your, their product into yours. Yeah. And so they actually need people that can work in multiple languages. So that's almost where you don't have to hire somebody from those languages. You can hire one person to work in maybe five different languages. Okay. And I think that's where I fit in really well. Is I, 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 I can set and work on one thing in one language, but I think I'm also really good at being glue and can help tie different pieces together. Yeah, all right. Cool. There's anything else that we forgot to mention that we want to maybe um, talk about? Well, Cutting Source is open source and Hacktoberfest is coming up this month. Okay. So that's the celebration of open source in the community and they really encourage people to contribute for pull requests. And then you can get a t-shirt from DigitalOcean and some other swag too. All right. And I participated in that the past few years. I'm going to do that again this year. And I had 71 pull requests last year. And I'm expecting that to grow even this year. So I'm absolutely, if anybody wants to contribute, I would love to help them and get their t-shirts. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, 
I don't have any more questions. It was a pleasure talking to you, learning yeah? what Good Cote d'Oros is, what you do. Very interesting, thank you. And yes, enjoy the rest of the conference. All right, thank you very much.